Hello everyone and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is Grant and I'm joined tonight by my two co-hosts, George. Well, hello Grant. And Liam. Hello Grant and George and everybody. There we go. There's an implication in with your and everybody. And every, I didn't say and everybody else. I just said and everybody. Exactly. Can we have some order here, please? We're escalating. We're also joined today by a very, very special guest. Please introduce yourself. Uh, this is Andrew Stafford. Not for the first time on this podcast. Uh, I am the author of Pig City. A history or a, a, just a book about Brisbane, let's say, and also a music memoir called Something to Believe in. Uh, and I am a freelance journalist for various publications. Sensational. And it's good to be with you all again. <laughs> Welcome back, Andrew. Thank you. It's good now, to be here. Each episode, one of the hosts or a guests nominates an album that they think is flawless. And we talk about why they love it, how they discovered it, and why they think it's flawless. Now, for those of you out there that aren't aware, we have a Patreon. You can back us from as little as a dollar a month, and there's a content bonuses for five and ten dollars. Wait, stop that! Just hang on a second, Liam. You got an announcement? We have a special deal: uh, content bonuses for all. So, any level you back us at, you will get the content bonuses because we're stressing out on these bonus episodes way too hard for us to just restrict who gets to hear them. Excellent. So we're spreading the love more. We're spreading the love more. Excellent. Cheaper. More love. Sounds good to me. <laughs> we're also on the on the we're also part of the Play on One net, radio network, along with other great podcasts like the Australian Music Diaries. Our episodes air Monday afternoons at five PM Eastern Daylight Savings Time, and you can hear them at PlayOnRadio.live. Mm-hmm. Now, Andrew, as our special special guest tonight, please tell us the album you propose that is flawless. Tonight we are going to be talking about Moon Safari, classic of down-tempo electronica in 1998, uh, written and produced by a couple of French boffins by the name of Jean Bonnui Dunkel and Nicolas Godin. How does a man from Melbourne initially and then living in Brisbane fall upon electronica by air? I'm just going to jump in here real quick and say the name of the band is Air. We didn't cover that. We didn't say the name no, of the band. You said the name you of the two French guys, but you didn't say the name of the band. And also it's Benoit, not Bonnui. Because Bonnui is good night and Benoit is a name. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so Jean this Benoit. This is getting really so. complex. <laughs> Jean-Benoit Duncal and Nicolas G- Godin. I was trying to work this out beforehand and I knew I was going to make a deal with myself. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I, okay, uh, when I was 19, I lived in Paris. It was good. Carry I knew on. I should have just called him JB. JB. <laughs> JB, my so, mate. Air. Air, the French electronic band. Please. Go on. So it was 1998. Yes. Britpop was waning, thankfully. Oi! Grunge was already... <laughs> Hold um, on a second. I was a Blur fan. 
Grunge was already a memory, even more thankfully. Hold Hop. on a second. <laughs> Handbrake. <laughs> We've either gained a lot of listeners this or might lost be the them very f- quickly. Yeah, we might, we, we might be actually kicking out a guest <laughs> and discussing the album <laughs> without him. I actually loved Nirvana just by the way. Uh, it would have been easy to talk about Nevermind, but I just thought always thought that grunge was a really horrible word for... for Such this. an... Excellent genre. Well, yes. certainly an excellent band. I and mean, they were a butt-whipping punk band before anything else. But yeah, anyway. Sure. Anyway. So right, now we're in We digress. To, we're in France. We, we digress. So uh, 1998, pop was back. Savage Garden were huge. The Spice Girls were huge. I was not paying much attention to electronic music, it must be said. It wasn't my bag. It's still not particularly my bag. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was big beats. It was the Prodigy. Mm-hmm. It was oh, yeah, Daft yeah, yeah. Punk. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. Fatboy Slim. It was the Chemical Brothers. The, uh, the Daft Punk first first Daft Punk album had just been released. I mm. think Dig Your Own Hole might have been out by then. And then Moon Safari comes along, and it's the opposite of all of that. It's slinky and sexy and seductive. It's romantic. It's nostalgic, and it's very down tempo. It felt like being in a time capsule and being taken back to an ideal of. Paris in the 1960s, or maybe it felt like being plonked into an episode of The Jetsons. I'm not sure. It was <laughs> this beautiful retro-futurist sound, this cosmic voyage with uh, vintage 70s synthesizers. And when I listen to this album, I feel entirely at home and at peace with a big silly smile on my dial even though in places it still brings a tear to the eye because the album is inherently nostalgic, not necessarily nostalgic in this instance for particular parts of my own life. Mm. It's just an inherently nostalgic sound and it's a perfect chill-out record in the best sense of that term. So how specifically, may I ask, did you find it? Because as you say, this is the backdrop of the Daft Punk's Chemical Brothers. I think I just discovered it the way that everyone... Prodigy. I think I just discovered it the way that other people discovered it at the time, which was probably Sexy Boy, the yeah. first single. Sure. Sexy Boy um, was You know, it was... Sexy Boy. Yeah, it was all over the radio. It had it had that big sort of gooey bass line in it that sort of draws you in. And, uh, you know, I look, I think it had even been pitched to me in an earlier journalism job and I was just like, yeah, you know, I kind of didn't want to know about it, which was really, really foolish and I still feel silly. <laughs> On reflection. On, I still feel silly about it to this, to this day that uh, I didn't investigate it further at the time when I could have, but... Uh, look, I, I would have heard it on the radio very shortly thereafter, and uh, sure. and I was pretty quickly smitten by it. I think I would have, again, the next single, I probably would have heard maybe Kelly Watch the Stars next, mm-hmm. or it might have yeah. been mm-hmm. All I Need. Yeah, it's Kelly, Kelly first, With and then Kelly All first. I Need after that. Yeah, uh, and uh, it was a very simple. I just I can't remember exactly where or when I bought it, but mm. it would have been very. It would have been in that year, certainly, in and probably, okay. probably quite early in 1998. Going, wow, this is really something. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm in. Cool. <laughs> no, released on 16th of January, so mm-hmm. that year. And uh, what was it? Second album sold 386,000 copies in the US. Well, the first album was just lots of remixes, wasn't it? 
Wasn't I a real first don't album. Don't know anything. Never heard of them. Yeah, so this is the debut studio. Album. The so I think debut the first album, album must have been more. Yeah. Yeah, the first album work. they did lots of remixes of random. Like I think they even did like Terry Callier, who's like a soul singer and stuff like that. Lots of remixes of things. Um, and then this was the first time they actually wrote and produced an entire record. Here we go. So, George. Hello. <laughs> I think George has heard of this one before. Please. <laughs> Illuminate us. Merci. J'adore la musique de French électronique. No, no. Uh, Illuminate us. I like French electronica. So, yeah, Sebastian Tellier, Beta Q, Justin East, M83, Phoenix, Cassius. Love them. Like, I love French electronic music. It's a thing. Oh, uh, bands. I didn't know what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's fine. Just dropping um, clever words. And then bands <laughs> like, uh, so there's bands like Zero Seven, Groove Armada, Thievery Corporation, Mochiba, oh, wow. Royksob, Massive Attack, who came from different parts of the world. And they're all around the same time. Mm. Uh, I listened to all of that alongside my Brit pop. Um, and, <laughs> Which you had no problem with. And metal, because I was getting into new metal at the time. Uh, yeah, but oh, I. Oh, dear. Re- this is the point where the guest walks out. Of the <laughs> 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 it's fine. Very good. Andrew. Like, leave me be. I listen to everything. Uh, but I heard Sexy Boy bought the album. 1998. Done. That was it. Oh, Twinsies. Yeah. <laughs> heard it. Heard it once. I just went, yep, you'll do. Uh, and then bought the. Um, compact disc so yes and so i which is an investment in those days in for those day, young people especially because i was 13 i think it was like oh no but 98 january yes i was 12 yeah 12 13 and most uh, of your do most of your stories do involve i heard this record at a friend's place and i ripped it yeah but this one them, I, so this time this one i bought because none of my friends knew it yeah. so uh yeah it was just weird um and probably on the prompt of of sexy but, boy as but well. i was listening to like stuff again like prodigy etc so i was listening to stuff which had electronic elements um and a lot even some of the <clears throat> new metal uh used to have electronic stuff mm. as well as rap uh etc so um i really liked and my no i must tell you my brother one of them is um He's 10 years older than me and he used to go to Ibiza to Café Del Mar for the big club nights and stuff all the time. And he'd come back with electronic music and I would listen to it, and, but I wouldn't tell my friends because I still wanted them to think I'm, I was cool. So uh, I didn't want them to know that I was listening to dance music, electronic music and whatever. But George. if you go to Ibiza... Mm. If your friends don't like you for your electronic music, they're not your real friends. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <I> <laughs> On reflection, I know, you yeah, But I was 13. Like, like, Pressure. What kind what kind of depth do you think yeah. I had at that, at that stage? So I had all this electronic music and stuff um, from like Ibiza, and then I had Air, and I just went, "Yep, you're accessible. I like you. You'll do." So yeah, I had I I have it on CD. It's still in the UK in a box at my mother's house, but I, I it's something I go back to regularly. Excellent. And yourself, Liam? So this came out right in the middle of my musical education time, mid mid to late nineties, and yeah, I was listening to Prodigy. I still have them as one of my all time favorite bands, and a lot of the Chemical Brothers, mm-hmm. um, Crystal Method, that sort of stuff, big dance beats. And even I knew I we heard Sexy Boy and Kelly Watcher Stars, and I remember hanging out with my friends, and we knew these were amazing songs. That these were things that nothing else on the radio really sounded like this at all, because mm-hmm. it was all Triple J that we were listening to, and I was like, yeah, nothing sounds like this. So for the life of me, I don't understand why I didn't buy this album because that's right in my period. Of, mm. Or like, Liam, you're one the, or, one I two, buy the album. I'm and I'm the I'm the steel <laughs> album. What? Like one or two years later, I would have been in full album buying mode. So I'm surprised by myself that I didn't go back and get it afterwards. But so I knew it. 
I knew the three singles. I didn't even. I don't think I even realized all I need was an air song until I heard it on this album. Just listening to it this last couple of weeks, I, like, I know this song. This is an amazing song. Mm. I had no idea it was even them. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I knew the singles. Apparently, I knew all I need. Knew the band. Knew the Virgin Suicide stuff that they would do next, and a few other band albums after that. Mm. But for some reason, I could not tell you why. I do not own this album. Okay, interesting. And Mr. Grant, did you know Air before this? Nope. He's shaking his not head everywhere. Not at all. In, in fact, I thought, this is not Air Supply. Oh, wow. It is not yeah. Air Supply. And it's not Air Supply. And it's not Air Traffic or Air Traffic no, Control no, or all no. the other bands. Yeah. Um, I had, Personally, I had I'm very thankful it's not Air Supply. <laughs> As was I. You know, or an iteration thereof. I thought, maybe, did they drop a few people off? And I, no, anyway. Um had heard Sexy Boy, but I wouldn't. I don't believe I would have heard it in '98. I don't. I'm not sure it played at all in South Africa. Which it's been is used not... on so many like adverts, movies, and everything else. Mm. Like yeah. even even now, it's being used in like a new TV show on Netflix called Sex Education. They had the song oh, Sexy really? Boy in 2020. Like so. it's still being used. The other thing about uh, Moon Safari in terms of our public exposure to it is, I think it's sort of become ubiquitous in shopping mall culture. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. I think. Most of us at some stage will have heard the opening song La Femme d'Argent. Please uh, tell me we have heard that, through. I've well, heard that. You could easily have heard it walking around a department store. Mm-hmm. It is one of the maybe indicators of this album's staying power that even hearing such it in such track. settings has, has not diminished it for me in any, in any way. Mm. Uh, it was know, not a movie. It sounds so slightly crass, but... It it's might. Possible. It might have been. It's, it's possible. TV it show feels like it's on a movie. They've been hired oh, to yeah. do so many soundtracks. Okay. Like the yeah. the music they produce, that kind of like soundscape stuff, is just being used in so many things. Like um, Sofia Coppola loves them, mm-hmm. like and okay. has used them for multiple th- movies and stuff as well. I think what it probably tells you is that this is music that works equally well, whether or not you just simply have it in the background, mm-hmm. or whether or not you want want to actually pay it very close attention. It will work mm-hmm. either way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it will reward repeated listenings either way. It's that perfect Sunday morning album. It's just you get up and it, and sometimes you've had a big night and sometimes you, you know, Sunday morning, you're always tired Sunday morning. doesn't matter whether you've had a big night before or whatever and you just want to relax, just lie around a little bit, maybe add a little bit of food. That's that perfect Sunday morning album. And there's a few other ones that I've actually well, I've got nominated to come down the line. But yeah, there's that Sunday morning, just that relaxed vibe all the way. To me, it's a perfect Sunday night record. A perfect Monday night record. <laughs> yeah. It works quite well on a Tuesday morning and it quite works okay at Wednesday at midday. I can really listen to Moon Safari <laughs> any time. Um, I Saturday had... afternoon with a Sav Blanc. Yep. Oh, yes. yes. Nice. Look, you on know, the deck, right? Oh, as one does. With your wife. No, I wouldn't discriminate. Saturday or Sunday afternoons. Yes. Well, fine Sunday too. afternoons. Um, I went to a really hipster um karaoke event where i sang all i need um because they had like all hipster indie like electro whatever and i was just like yeah i can do this one i know this one and so all i need was like the song that i sang at some random like dive bar that was having a (laughs) some alt hipster you've never heard this song before kind of uh uh, karaoke event and it's really really good (laughs) (laughs) here in brisbane no no no, back in the uk so much fun so i highly recommend over to you, Andrew. Yeah, more, where do we more start? on the album. What where would you, like where would you like to start? Well, let's, it's all on you. <laughs> let us start with the opening track because that oh. just makes sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I, I may well get uh, corrected on my pronunciation here, but La Femme d'Argent, a we- very, a very challenging song to open a record. Thank you. Uh, seven minutes long, but 
so good, and it mm. really could not have gone anywhere else on the record. I think I I I, I read an interview with Nicholas Godon where he suggested it. It had to go either first or last, mm-hmm. and he thought it was too good to go last. And I'm glad it didn't because, to me, in my opinion, uh, Penelope's Voyage, the last song on the record, is actually even better. It's my favourite <laughs> favourite song on it, and it takes the record out beautifully. But uh, it is a stunning opening. Uh, it eases you into the record very slowly. There's a sound of what is what is the sound at the start? Is it like water it like running? Rain or noise. Or I thought it was rain, rain noise. Rain, yeah. yeah. And then the descending chord pattern that it sets up immediately brings us into the golden age of French pop um, and puts the album squarely in that tradition. I didn't discover this record until a little bit later, and I think it was because of people like Air and also Beck. But the chords in uh, La Femme d'Argent are the same chords used by Serge Gainsbourg on his song Melody, which is the lead-off track from uh, the album Histoire de Melodie Nelson. Probably his most famous record. Cool. Uh, so that's sure. placing Got a record that. in a musical <laughs> tradition and a context straight away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That funky bass line in that song. I didn't. I obviously yeah. didn't recognize. It. I don't have the, the musical background of it, but just like it just grabs you right from the start. Yeah. Like, Bass is so very cool. important in this record. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what's really cool about the strings? What is really cool about the strings? It's not strings. What is it? It's an organ-like synthesizer, which okay. does um, a chorus on strings, which does everything from violin through to contrabass, and it's called the Selena String Ensemble, and it's an actual synth that they play in order to create those string sound. Which, nice. we, as Grant and I, we are massive strings fans. Massive. He's a violinist. Mom. Right. He in t- my past. Yeah. No. <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, once a violinist, you're a lifer. Sure. Uh, yeah, so um, it's actually they they have I counted twenty different synthesizers that they use at least. They also use real strings as well, uh, and ah. this is one of the interesting things about this record is that although it is mostly reliant on uh, vintage analog synthesizers for its sound, uh, and there's that strange sort of dissonance between it being uh, very retro on one hand and yet futuristic on the other. Uh, it also leans quite a bit on traditional instrumentation. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, They actually went to Abbey Road in London in the mm-hmm. later stages of the process and recorded some of the strings, including uh, the violin for uh, the song Talisman in Abbey Road with a mm-hmm. string arra- arrangement. There is... Um, it's ironic that it sounds a- like the most French song in the world. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and... There, there's acoustic, quite a lot of acoustic guitar in the record. There's beautiful bass playing. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Godon uses a um, a Hofner, a mm-hmm. '60s violin-shaped bass. In fact, okay. the same type of bass that was used by Paul McCartney. McCartney the one. Yep. Right. Uh, and that's a really, really important part of uh, the sound of Mint Safari. Probably underpins the whole thing, really. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. So when they were over at Abbey Road, there were these shy little French boys, and they didn't want to. They didn't want to. So they've got. They're in the biggest studio in the world, and they've got a whole orchestra full of people there and they couldn't talk to any of them because they were too shy to talk to them so david whitaker who was producing it or arranging the orchestra with them 
took them back to his house and just said, let's just go and have a chat about some stuff so that, you know, you'll feel comfortable around me. And then if you feel comfortable around me, you'll feel comfortable around all these people. And it worked. And they ended up at his home talking about Rachmaninoff for oh, a little while. And then I've got came some Rachmaninoff albums yeah. <laughs> uh, in the living room studio so yeah, right like, now. Which is like, is absolutely the personality that Air <laughs> give off in this whole album. Is like shy, little nervous, avant-garde, artistic geniuses who would never describe themselves that way at all. Like and the fact just... that they wanted to talk uh, with another composer about Rachmaninoff tells you quite a lot about the level on which they were working. Yeah. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't tend to think of uh, Moon Safari as, a, as an album. I mean, there, there are pop songs on this record, mm. very clearly uh, identifiable pop songs, but there are also huge swelling pieces like La Femme d'Argent, like Talisman, like Penelope's Voyage that are... Mm much more symphonic in their sound. And I, I think oh. of this album as just, it's a beautifully composed piece of work. I think of them more as composers than songwriters yeah, in yeah. that sense. I, I just, when I heard that first song, I thought, when I was looking at the track list and I was like, yep, I know Sexy Boy and I know Kelly Watch the Star. So you're going to put your two singles in your first sort of early bit. I'm like, your first song is going to have to be this big, epic, sweeping open number. Like if you're not opening with a pop song, you're going to have to open with the other side of what you do. And I listened to it, I was like, yep, that's it. That's that's the exact thing that I thought would be there if they were as good as I thought they would be. I actually was, think that Sexy Boy is probably one of the weakest songs. You reckon? Um, yeah. yeah. I, for, just for mine, I think in, 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 it's not lost, but I think that it's and, – and it's the one that's got a lot of, of words to it, I suppose, for mine, a lot of lyrics, but or more lyrics than some of the other ones, which is just nothing. Mm. Um, but I think it was, for mine, Wow. Off that opening, I'm like, wow. It's and the then, song that everybody knows. And, yeah. And, 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 Correct. And, you know, Grant, actually, uh, I almost agree with you. It's certainly not the song that I go back to and, and get the continuing rewards mm. from as I, as I do the others. True. Having said that, it's the obvious single. Yes. It's the one so, that had to yes. be the single yeah. and it's Has the one that put them on the map. Went to number 13 in the UK singles charts mm -hmm. like straight away, which is really good and for that time. And it's interesting too because the way this opens, I, I – I, think of this record when I was sort of starting to think about what appealed to me so much about it ahead of this podcast. I thought, mm. well, this album feels like the it has the natural arc of a, of a relationship, of a, of a short-term but meaningful relationship. And between La Femme d'Argent and then Sexy Boy, the first two songs, you feel like you're getting uh, perspective from both genders about this blossoming love affair, really. It's starting to feel... By, by the time you get to Sexy Boy, it's starting already to feel like a courtship. Mm -hmm. okay. So yeah, they said about that one, they talked about he um, his bass and how he plugged he plugged it into a guitar amp instead of a bass amp, which, yeah, I don't I know can, anything about music because I didn't know that it was it, different. It can break it, but that's fine. Sorry? It can break it, it can, but that's I, fine. I feel like, yeah, I'm sure there's a reason people don't do that. And then they <laughs> were just playing a riff. He just said sexy boy out of the blue and they were just like that's that's a cool little thing and he even said um that's how we got the song if we'd sung sexy girl it would have been a disaster yeah so totally. if it had been two french yeah. guys going "Ooh, sexy girl it's like yeah that's the tone is just completely different it would have been awful yeah it has those the, the lyrics in it as well so in french it's um while seeing je serai beau comme dieu 
which is me too one day i'll be beautiful like a god <laughs> i'm like oh isn't that perfect that's awesome yeah. perfect <laughs> lyrics for like the um yeah for the french like french sexy boy i'm like oh yeah, because when I was in France, I was looking around going, hello, <laughs> like, look at all the sexy French boys. So, yeah, it's really, really, it was, they, when they do their translations and stuff, so when they sing in French um, and then I get my haggard kind of UK translation, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, but then they actually went with all I need. They actually worked a bit. And uh, with the subsequent one with Beth, they actually worked a bit with her on the lyrics with You Make It Easy. Mm. Um so you can tell that a little bit that it's the lyrics are kind of written by somebody whose English is not their first language. Yeah. But it doesn't matter mm-hmm. either. It kind of works still, even though she's like, she's American, isn't she? And she she's, is. Yeah. She's singing with them. And like, they found her through some random sample, like samples that she'd sung and stuff and then brought her in to sing. Yeah, she was at a house party or something. Or she yeah. was it sounded a bit random. Yeah. I think it was a bit random. Like mm. that, there was that absolutely. But she was also just lucky enough, and they were lucky enough mm-hmm. to be floating around, as as often happens. This happenstance, and she was floating around the same circles at the but it time. Suits yeah. her what she was doing and what they yeah. were doing suits really perfectly. Mm. Uh, like to combine the two, like you wouldn't know that she wasn't in the band. Yeah, mm. yeah, which is good. Like you know when you get some like. Um, different artists when you get someone into sing and you go okay yeah fair enough you just brought someone in but Beth Hush sounds like she's like one of the band and then you go oh okay mm. then like it was ages later I realized it was just two dudes and going yeah. oh we just brought in other people to help us out sometimes <laughs> and then we sing with a vocoder so you can't really tell yes. what yeah. we sound like <laughs> yes because it was put out by Source and Virgin. So in theory, as they were putting it together, they, they'd they already got that relationship with Virgin. They could have gone and said, hey, we'd like to get a really big, well-known singer to come in and do sure. a couple of vocals for mm-hmm. a couple of songs. But obviously they were just like, no, we've they found a person who got the exact line that they wanted. And they just like, yeah, we're working, you know, we'd love to work with you and get her on board. Her two songs, All I Need and You Make It Easier, are um, really important anchor points mm-hmm. in this record. Uh, all I need for me is, you know, if you get past those first two songs and this is when the arc of the record really starts to unfurl. And really special as a, as a greater piece as a whole uh, it's got a completely different feel you've got Beth Hirsch's voice which has a lovely plangent sort of quality and she's asking for what exactly it sounds like she's asking for a little time yeah space space mm-hmm. it's like and again look I'm projecting something onto the album that <laughs> might not necessarily be no, there but it feels like that awkward sort of three month pause in the relationship mm-hmm. where it's like is this going to go any further? Is this the real thing? Maybe we should stop now. Yeah. The other thing that's unusual in All I Need, and this is the first really big entry point of this important sound of the record, is that very unusual swelling, oscillating sounds that begins to swamp the song towards the end of the coda. 
If I'm reading an interview with Nicholas Goddard right, I think what it is is a clavinet, which is the same instrument that Stevie Wonder plays in Superstition, you know, plays that yes. opening mm-hmm. riff, mm-hmm. through a wah pedal. And Goddard said that that was his, like, secret source on the record. You, you can hear it in Penelope's Voyage too at yeah. the end and sprinkled elsewhere. That wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah. And, yeah, that recurs at several points on the record. Yeah. That's droning and hypnotic. Yeah. So we talked about some electronica in general. So um, has anyone here been to a rave? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I've done three or four so, back in the day. Um, a lot of the raves I used to go to back in the UK used to always have like a side room called the Mushroom, um, which is where they played all the chill out tracks so that you could come down or whatever or, and just relax in. Um, and there was a very strong air influence in the mushrooms um, <laughs> and all i need was definitely one of the tracks um and la femme d'argent was definitely one of the tracks that was played around like the late 90s in the mushrooms for the people who just needed a little bit of time to themselves away from the like heavy drum and bass or the heavy rave and house music and whatever and so like i kept writing down i was just like I've heard this in a mushroom. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and I never even did drugs. So I was just like, I just sometimes went to chill out with all the cool music, but air air were um, like a seminal part of that kind of, like despite being so chill and reminiscent and gorgeous and like smooth to listen to, were still reminiscent of the rave era too, which is kind of fun. Yeah. But that song in particular, I just remember hearing a million times in those sorts of spaces. Grant, I think we interrupted you there for a second. Sorry. So I was going to ask, the question was, Andrew, do you still listen to this? Very often. And I, uh, I've i been returning to it. It's probably, actually, it's probably wrong to say I listen to it very often in general, but sure. I have returned to the album more recently mm-hmm. and I have been playing it re- relatively frequently. I say that as someone who has probably a few thousand records to choose from. And yeah, so I find it intriguing. Choosing can be difficult sometimes, yeah. but but it is a very special record and I have mm. been going back to it lately and finding that uh, indeed this is one of those records that has really lasted for me and is as special now as it was... Uh, in 22 f- years ago. In the first year that uh, it appeared for me. It's, mm. yeah, 22 years old now. Mm. Yeah. So, let's all have a little dance because Kelly's going to watch the stars. If, if the whole album sounded like this, you'd be like, this is the most amazing dance album that like, ever. Like, if you could put 10 tracks together that were just like this, it would be great. So it's a testament to their, once again, their determination not to just make the same sort of stuff that everybody else was making. It's like, here's our dance song. 
and you'll never hear anything like this. I mean, um, Sexy Boy is kind of in a similar vibe, but this is, this is our, our two pop songs, and we're not coming back to this sound again, so we hope you like it. And they sing the same lyrics, but with different effects, right? yeah. the whole thing, but then they stop, and then they just have these piano scales, yeah. like going yeah. up and down, and you're like, I love those. you're like, okay. It's so good. Yeah, it's awesome. You're like, all right, have fun. And then it's like full synth time, and then it's just like, you are with, with them, Whoever Kelly is, you yeah. are definitely watching the stars. Mm. I, I mentioned before, you know, there's a, th- a silly throwaway line, but if but if ever I, if there's a song on the record that makes me think I feel like I've just dropped into an episode of the Jetsons, it would be <laughs> Kelly. Watch the stars. Yeah, nice. Um, so Kelly was Kelly from Charlie's Angels. Ah, they they just like, hey, we love that show, and there's a cool chick. So let's. Yep, George is doing the Charlie's Angels pose. We should all be doing we it. We should all be doing it, but it's a visual podcast. And like, <laughs> We're not audio-only audio yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So, that was – because that was a whole thing of, oh, who's Kelly? You know, is it some big thing from their history or whatever? And then in it was like, no, it's just I really love Charlie's Angels and this is about Kelly from Charlie's Angels. Got to love the honesty. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> Simplicity. Oh. No angles. <laughs> no. Um, the uh, Remember is – really like super short but it's really sweet as mm, like an interlude love. in the middle of the record you're going number track six um you've got your robot vocals yep. to introduce you star trek sounds in the background mm-hmm. with your synths and everything else and remember forever remember that day you and me and I don't know what he's remembering, <laughs> but I love it, whatever he is. Yes. And like, I've got the French, but I'm not going to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's like, oh, I just, I do remember. Thank you. Mm. Remember Thank is actually one of the songs that I, that does actually reliably bring a tear to the eye, which is so ridiculous because it is, because it is slightly cheesy, uh, but it is... Again, it's the it's not anything particular to my own life. How could it be with lyrics as as uh, you know ge- generic? Frankly, yeah. is that, mm-hmm. uh, but more just the inherent feeling of nostalgia embodied in the title that it conjures up. Semartin la, uh, which follows it, mm-hmm. has it also. Oh, no, you've got, you, you make, make it, easy. it easy after that. Oh, you make it easy after that. Right. Semartin la. But we can go straight to Simartin La. But both, yeah. of, mm-hmm. but again, you know, a heavy nostalgia in sound and sentiment. It Burt Bacharach, it's sixties soundtrack. Oh, there's horns for Christ's sake! Horns, yeah. absolutely. You know, yeah. horns parping away in the background. But in you make it easy. There's a Glockenspiel. Just saying. Yeah, that's another one. That's another thing. Mm. Um, but George's yeah, got a lot of, George's got a lot of things. There's yeah. little things that are like like no cowbell, no cowbell, but we'll we'll bring it back. Uh, but yeah, in Simartin uh, La, it's uh, got that really beautiful, lovely guitar. Just that acoustic, that's super yeah. gentle. I think that so song beautiful. was also used in the Virgin Suicides, wasn't it? I think From so. Memory, yeah, um, yeah, but it's it, that's a very good soundtrack, the Virgin Suicides. So Air were asked uh, to produce the entire soundtrack to the Virgin Suicides uh, movie, which was incredibly famous. Um, well, not incredibly famous, but I mean, I suppose, do you, would, should we be um, assessing flawless or proposed flawless soundtracks? Maybe it should be an open oh, conversation. Oh, no, I feel like it's an open conversation that we should take offline uh, at some point when we're beating up Liam in the car park. So, I don't uh, know if it would be a we that would be beating up Liam, but anyway. Yeah, uh, but there is uh, the only vocals in that song in Sumatin uh, Laurel that morning um, are just like these oohs and ahs kind of things in the background. Like, that's all they need. It's all mm. it needs. Yeah. For yeah. like an album. Album, there's very little on the lyrical front. No, there's not yeah, much. Yeah, right. 
Like usually and we go, doesn't let's drop in some lyrics here, blah, blah, blah. But we don't really have to. There's just so much going on with the songs that you're like, it's got beautiful things that like really lovely sounds waking mm, the world up. incredibly rich music. Mm-hmm. And obviously not being a, a French speaker, you know, it, it never... It never needed that to me anyway. I, I was never particularly bothered to, you know, if even when Google Translate came along, I was never particularly bothered to try to mm-hmm. find out uh, what the lyrics in French were. It was already working for me on an sure. emotional level before that. Yeah. So, and once so, again, that didn't, so that didn't matter. You think about those bands that are coming up around them now, which is Prodigy, Daft Punk, Chemical Brothers. They're so vocal hook based. Like all their songs Repetitive, have lyrics. Like yeah. they'll have like I mean, Prodigy just have vocals in every song, obviously. Yeah. But even like your Chemical Brothers, your Groove out of those sorts of guys, they're all their most of their songs will have vocal lines and and lyrics all the way through them. But like so Chemical that, Brothers got really huge on things like Hey Hey Boy. Hey, boy. hey yeah. Girl. Yeah. yeah. Superstar DJ. Here we go. Yeah. That's pretty much the only lyrical content they have in the song, isn't mm. it? Yeah, yeah but, but all their songs along the way through, even on their albums, still have those lyrical hooks yeah, as well. Yeah, that's fair. But Whereas they, one is they like, came from like bands like Underworld mm. and stuff yeah. like that that had the like mixture of samples and lyrical so stuff. That bravery, once again, of just like looking around at what everybody else is doing and just going, no, that doesn't work for the structures mm-hmm. we're trying to put together. Like why Here's would you add thing. lyrics when you've got 20 cents? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if we had Sayer here, our yeah. a former guest who collects synthesizers. Uh, yeah, right? If we had Sayer here, fantastic. she'd be all over this <laughs> going, I know exactly what mood they're playing right yeah. now. That, is that a cork? Is that a Wurlitzer? What have we got going on? Gosh, so, I should have called Sayer to ask, what was it that they were doing to <laughs> Yeah, they had oh so, oh, so many. So um, And they had so many drum machines. Sayer, if you're listening to this, then you know, call me later and, and <laughs> help me unravel this mystery. Just We're just like picking up the Brisbane elite. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's fair enough. But it's uh, yeah, it's good because they've got so much complex beautiful musical instrument like stuff with the mm. synths and stuff they don't need to worry about adding lyrics for the sake of adding them speaking of not adding things just for the sake of it we sort of skip past talisman which is one of my favorites because it's got that james bond intrigue spy <laughs> style again not overloading that like there's heaps of electronic artists who've made like like propeller heads and those sorts of guys who've made super james bondy super spy intrigue songs and this one is stripped back from that it's not it's like you can hear it but you've almost got to you've got to look for it it's not going to come out and blast you in the face with that sort of stuff i've got a different sort of take on it in terms of you know i've never thought of it in terms of Mm. a james bond soundtrack uh but it is also uh, one of my probably two favourite songs on the record. Uh, it embodies that sort of symphonic sound that yeah, I was alluding to earlier. Orchestral bits, it, is yeah. a, it is a big song, even mm-hmm. though it's only, I think, just over three minutes. It might even only just nudge three oh, minutes. Oh, no, no, it's four and a quarter. Okay, thank you yeah. for thank you for that. It feels bigger. It feels as big as mm. La Femme d'Argent. Yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, I think this is one song... This is one song in particular where I, I can't imagine a note of Talisman 
being any different. I can't imagine mm. sure. uh, any rhythmic phrase or intonation or instrumentation on that song being any mm-hmm. different from from what it is. It's perfect. That crescendo. It's, it's perfect. It's just. It is absolute. It is a sublime piece of music. It was a surprise to me when I got the vinyl of Moon Safari, which I eventually did to find Mm -hmm. that, in fact, uh, Talisman was the first song on side two rather than Ah. the last song on side one. There are 10 songs on Moon Safari, and uh, Talisman being number five, uh, number number five, I naturally assumed that it was the last last track on the first side. But I guess because La Femme d'Argent is quite long. Sexy Boy is quite long as well. That's right. So it actually flips over to the first song on side two and uh, introduces you to another new world of sound. Mm. Mm. Yeah, which makes like the first side, La Femme, Sexy Boy, All I Need, Kelly, Watch the Stars. That's, That's a cracking... Like yeah. first half of an album, isn't it? <laughs> it's an amazing like, first half of an, of an album, and and yet, to me, uh, the the final six songs from Talisman on really bring it home. I actually think the second side of uh, of Moon Safari is arguably even better than side one, and that is absolutely saying something yeah. because you're right. The first side is extraordinarily good. Yeah, I really enjoyed New Star and City Chanson pour Salal or song for Salal. strummed guitar over synths and then mm-hmm. it sounds like they're throwing a harmonica through a vocoder through a, oh, or just through a massive delay yeah, like i don't know enough about pedals but it's like yep. yeah that is a very long delay on yeah the heart was like what it's then, almost jagged a little bit like, what are they doing with that and harmonica? they've got those samples of those kids playing yeah. in the background and it's just like really lovely and it's and it sounds like the an ode to a new child mm. so the lyrics being my baby blue is a new star in the sky. The world is just for you. Like the whole context of it just seems like this concept of rebirth or birth and beauty and all of these like children playing and joy and everything in the background to this really lovely synthy dreamy guitariness. It's like a just a really heartfelt warm song yeah mm. so i've got a quote about that one he said um it came about because i'd studied astrophysics and was into stars planets and einstein's theory of relativity i was singing about space all the time and reading ray bradbury's the martian chronicles i told you mm. they were boffins yeah <laughs> yes well, you did. did nicholas um studied architecture at yeah. university and jean benoit studied Mathematics, yeah, and it's, just it's like constructions, obvious, yeah, yeah. constructions, you, like yeah. yeah, they build stuff, yeah, and they break stuff down, and they build formulas, and they understand how they how it all put how it's all put together, mm-hmm. and then yeah. they turn that into creating really beautiful electronic music, which yeah, I'm that, very happy I, with. I'm, I'm glad you've uh, made that connection. It, it, that underscores what I was saying before about me uh, seeing these these 
two guys more as composers than as uh, pop songwriters in a way. <laughs> they, there is a there is incredible architecture in the, in the music making going on here. But then they take a whole bunch of different synths and drum machines and vocoders and everything else when they go on tour. Um, and they have support, but they literally have a whole bunch of stuff that they take on stage. Yeah. And like, I can't even imagine how expensive it is yeah. uh, to we, take we, all, because they've got vintage shit, right? Like, yeah. It really expensive vintage shit that you wouldn't just insuring that stuff. Would be oh man! Yeah. Yeah. Like I know they're not big, but yeah, as you say, like yeah. insuring that and trying to transport that on a plane, Christ, I uh, mm. couldn't imagine. So and we really all know good. about bands that yeah, they use a hundred instruments in the studio, and when they go to make it live, it's like okay, maybe it's five guitars. Maybe I'll swap between five different guitars over the course of playing these songs. But you'd never bring the entire, like, you know, the entire deck 25 of, like, cents yeah. or something. You're like, yeah. yeah. Which uh, is the question I think Grant was alluding to with his hand is, have you ever seen Air Live, Andrew? No, I have not. Oh. I was going to save this for my closing pitch, but I think Should it's... Should we go uh, now? I, I am uh, unsure if... Have, have you toured Australia? I'm actually not aware that they I have. I don't remember. Like nothing jumps to mind of them having toured. And there's a, yeah. Maybe they would have played like a special show perhaps at Sydney Festival or, or something like that. Or even like a just a – yeah, like a festival of some kind. Like a, But even – I don't know if they – because like a lot of dance acts, if they don't have big hooks in their recorder material – when they play live, they, you know, there's just that solid beat behind it which isn't there in the recorder ones. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they could do that with these guys. Like you couldn't put these guys in the boiler room and go, okay, just play your stuff and have a giant beat behind it because it wouldn't work. I haven't seen Air Live and I don't feel like I need to see Air Live. I, I would possibly make an exception if they were playing one of those package shows where they decided mm-hmm. to do uh, Mood Safari in its entirety. But... But then, frankly, I mean, there are some albums where that works and mm-hmm. there are some albums where it's like, really, you might as well stay home and listen to the record. And yeah. I have a feeling that Moon Safari would be in that latter camp. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's if it's already perfect, if you really can't imagine any other sure. uh, phrase yeah. uh, or intonation being any different about it, mm-hmm. you might not necessarily want to fuck with it. And, yeah. I, and I think that's probably the case for me. I think probably... What says it all about my relationship with this record and with Moon Safari is that to me it is so flawless that I have never been able to listen to an entire air record that has come after it because I did not want to spoil that illusion of perfection of that perfect record. I actually could not go further. I started listening to 10,000 Hertz, Mm -hmm. Megahertz, I think it is, the second record, and I got really upset. Right. It was completely a trip. Huh. Into another sound world, and I was like, I, I just look. It's it's awful because you know artists have to be artists and do their thing. Mm. But I was like, I'm sorry, I just want you to make Moon Safari <laughs> over and over again in in a different form and be just as perfect. And of course, that's impossible. You yeah, know? It's, it's not something that anybody can ask. But I've just been content to leave it there. Mm-hmm. Moon Safari is enough for me. It is the only air record I own, and right. I'm absolutely cool wow. with that. In cool. and of itself, done, done. Done. To me, it's the perfect statement. It's like, where do you go from there? Right. Do you listen to other music in that genre? Good question. It is a very good question, and the answer is no, very little. I have very few electronic cool. records. I have the only one of the few other down tempo electronic records that I own would be Adventures Beyond the Ultra World by The Orb. Okay. Uh, and that's 1991, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that much. Earlier. I don't listen to that very often at all. And it's very long. 
Uh, Moon Safari is a comparatively compact 40 yeah. minutes or so uh, <laughs> and very easy to listen to. Mm. But no, I do not. And okay. maybe, that is, maybe that is telling. That's fair enough. I can highly recommend a lot of CDs that I've ripped <laughs> from that era. <laughs> I, I think um, there's a couple of things I'd like to touch on before before finishing. Sure. One is I've mentioned Penelope's Voyage mm-hmm. a couple of times, mm-hmm. and I really do want to. Would you not like to pronounce it in French? Uh, I always think of it as Penelope's Voyage. I'll trip Le- myself up talking about it in French. You're, you're, you're the French no, speaker. It, this is an easy one. It's just Le Voyage de Penelope. Penelope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, de Penelope. Mm, okay. Uh, it's the, the the song is like the end of the affair. Mm. It's the final adieu, right down to the last, the, <laughs> nice. right down to the last nice. organ note mm. that feels yeah, like that chord at that, the end. Oh, all <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, you've got oh, absolutely yeah. sublime. That last chord at the end is it feels like the ship disappearing over the horizon. Uh, it's and it's taking your lover with it. It's got, and again, it's got that amazing uh, swelling, oscillating sound. Again, mm. I think this is the clavinet through the wah pedal. It is crushingly beautiful. I often cry at the end of that song. Mm. I'm a sook, in case you haven't no. guessed. <laughs> um, no, it's good. You're in touch with your emotions. Music, music, yeah, music's supposed to bring I'm, out. So I'm entirely dead inside, so you're like my counterpart. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about is the cover. The cover is perfect. It is <laughs> the, the, rear, the rear sleeve featuring that rocket-boosted mm. Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. Van, you know, the Volkswagen being the 60s trippy symbol of peace and love, and it's got dorsal and pectoral fins and a rocket booster. It's a like this proto space shuttle. So, again, you've got this collision of past and future. And uh, do you know what's yeah. funny? Um, you know how I said I had it on CD? Yeah, um, I used to have this huge rack of all my CDs um, above my stereo. So, I used to build up bricks and put um, big planks of wood so to create shelves above my speakers and all that kind of stuff i was like really nerdy about having all my music but i would do what they would do in a library and occasionally i would take a particular record and i would put it front mm-hmm. facing so i could see that album cover and this album was one of the albums where i would take it and put it there for a week going this is i'm, I'm going to recognize this album cover for a week and then yeah. i'd move on and i'd find another album and i'd put that for a record but i remember Ooh. being in my bedroom like i sleep on a futon on the floor like a such a weirdo uh like a futon on the floor and i had these huge speakers this whole setup with all my cds lying and records lined up and i would turn them around like a bloody library saying mm. this is the front cover but this was one of the albums that i chose to have as a visual for like a week at a time mm. on my uh, cd collection cool which i'm only just remembering now and realizing <laughs> what of like no one even came over to see it yeah. like it was just for me it's yeah, it was really got like teenage me was like this is a good this is, this is a good cover this is a good record and we listen to it again it's yeah. all good George, after everything you've said, I'm going to be quite disappointed if you don't agree with me that this album is flawless. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had notes, man. I had notes. And I've got like a list of French electronica to give you uh, when this all ends. So, uh, this oh, is a gift, all, a parting yeah. gift. This is all fine. There we uh, go. Yeah. So, cool. there we go. So, um, we've done the final pitch. We're all happy. We're yes. all good. We're all content. Happy? May I ask you, Liam? Yes. Air, you'd heard before. I had heard, I'd heard of them. Um, heard of hadn't them. heard the record. Thoughts? Um, yeah, like I said, looking at the track list, I was like, oh, you know, I knew two of those songs in there and then I was listening to it, the third one, I was like, yep, tick that box. First song, yep, that's an amazing big sweeping orchestral moment. 
talisman that was all great. Um, the back half, I didn't find as hooky, obviously, because it's much more those sort of constructions and composers. But along all the way through, I was like, this is amazing. The pieces they put together are really, really great. I always think it's amazing to look at what everybody's doing around you and going, we're going to do the other thing because they specifically reference Daft Punk in a lot of the interviews that they talk about. It's like the they don't they talk about people in France don't like them. They're not well loved in France. In people it, in France, no, mm. they like Daft Punk and they like big house and they big like hooks justice. and stuff. Mm. And they were just like, well, let's just make let's just follow our own vision. And that vision was amazing. And so this album is flawless for me. Hey, there we go. Well done, Liam. She's still quite boy in the corner there. Awesome, okay. <laughs> Well, is it, I, I probably, from what I've heard, Andrew, I think I'll also be disappointed if I were to turn over to George and say, George, Hello. who owned it, yep. put it I up in, the li- it. in your own library, which is, My library. Oh, well, I had an aspiration. Sad little library. girl, right? Is this album flawless, according to you? Oh, well, I think I've shown that I've quite enjoyed talking about <laughs> sure. the record. I have an affinity to French electronica in general. I don't know why, um, but I really do. Um, and they're at the slow end of, as you say, like the warm, slow, easy end of some of the stuff I listen to. Some of the other French electronic music I listen to, like Beta Q, they're more, I'm going for a run and I'm going to listen to that. And it's like like LCD sound system or something. And I'm just like, I'm just running, I'm running, I'm running. Um, so I've got like an affinity to it. But this album has been flawless to me since I bought it. So 22 I would have years. like, yeah, like in 98 when I was but a child uh, and I spent my well-earned pocket money on, or it wasn't even pocket money, it was illegally working in a nightclub <laughs> money. Um, and I spent that money on a CD. Um, yeah, this has been a flawless record for my entire life. For, yeah, my entire life. Of course, of course it has. The majority of your life. Yeah. yeah. I think what this is showing us before we turn to you, Grant, mm. for your opinion is that this is a record that's very easy to love. And I think one of the one of the wonderful things about uh, Moon Safari is that you don't have to be of any particular musical persuasion to really enjoy it. Even though there you is... almost kicked me out for liking new metal. <laughs> in <laughs> the past. Just, I'd kick myself out for liking new metal. What do you mean in the metal? past? I'm off to see Deftones <laughs> next month. But look, I'm a, I'm a, you know, died in the wool punk rocker, really. I'm a, my favourite band of all time is the Ramones, no question. Uh, and it, it is still extreme, you know, it, it, that doesn't make any difference. It's like I just recognise this is a beautiful piece of music from go to woe when I hear it. And there does seem to be something that uh, is very universally touching about Moon Safari that uh, has crossed boundaries for many years, I think. You yeah, know, it, no is, it is an acknowledged... Pre- it, one it was an instant classic and has remained one. One quick thing I forgot to mention in my wrap-up is the other day I had a really rough day at work and I was like, you know what, I bet if I listen to Moon Safari on the way home, I'm going to feel just heaps better. And so I just put oh, it on, not yeah. even thinking about, oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to it to try and take <laughs> notes of the podcast. Like, I bet the tone of it is just going to work and by the, yeah, by the time I got home, it was just I was just way more relaxed. I was like... <laughs> That's a so, great story. Grant. Yeah. No Grant. pressure or anything. <laughs> yeah. But this was your first foray into air and potentially into French electronic strings, etc. Um and probably. Let's not go potentially. Probably. Yeah, it's not Pearl Jam, is it? So. No, it's not. No. And and um, you know, it certainly was released in the, the worst year of my life at the time. Um so <laughs> I don't remember nineteen ninety eight fondly at all in any um in any way, shape or form. Um, 
But and Esau was glad that it wasn't Esau. I think that that, uh, <laughs> that was good or, or an iteration thereof. Uh, never heard of them before. Heard Sexy Boy probably when I got over here. Um, and look from from start to finish. Yes, I go flawless. Oh, I'm not going to butter this thing. Unanimity. Up. I I have to say it is. Uh, I would go across multiple genres or backgrounds or. Um, you know, you don't. I don't think you need context for this. You just need to actually have enough in yourself to push play on whatever, however you want to listen to it, and um, you will get something of it. So I'm massively richer for this, and I think I'll. You know, you can listen to it in the, on Sunday mornings or mm-hmm. Saturday afternoons or Wednesday middays, <laughs> and um, from end to end, there is nothing wrong with this. It is. Absolutely magnificent, and I think um, thank you very much for bringing it. I think for for mine, that's the first time we've had three of us plus a guest. It's the first time we've had a guest on the before episodes. So With pushing all three of us, yeah, and a, and a guest, and, and a guest. guest. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. wow. first so first time a guest nominated album has been decided as flawless. So well done, wow, <laughs> and um, and thank you very much for bringing it. I, yeah, that I, was I, um, fantastic. What I'll a great pleasure it. to talk about it. Thank you. Um, so thank you everyone for listening. For, um, for those of you who want to know more, we have a Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are Flawless AMP on all of those. So you can join the conversation, share, or like our posts, or give us a rating. Every little bit helps us find more music lovers like you. As mentioned, we also have the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Flawless AMP. If you'd like to back us, please check that out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.